And of course, for all my listeners in the Georgia area, you can come out to Booch Fest at the Anchor Bar in Kennesaw, Georgia. Located at 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. Again, that address is 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. The next two shows will be Thursday, December 8th and Thursday, December 22nd. The show will be hosted by me, and it will feature some of the funniest comics the Atlanta comedy scene has to offer. Some have been doing it for years, some who are relatively new, and some who may even be stepping on a comedy stage for the very first time. All comedy acts, no matter how long they've been performing, are welcome to be in this show. So come on down for a great night of comedy as the Booch is taking over Kennesaw. And on December 10th, Combat Pro Wrestling presents Seasons Beatings at Eastside High School, located at 1300 Brushy Creek Drive, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. Again, that address is 1300 Brushy Creek Road, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. I, of course, will be the ring announcer for this event, and the show will be featuring special guest general manager, WWE Hall of Famer, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Also scheduled to appear are the Cowboy James Storm, the legendary Barbarian, the Greater Good, Garrett Sinclair, Forever Young, Devin Cruz, from AEW, Griff Garrison, the Russian Wolf, Neil Koloff, from Tosh.0, Dave Wills. It's still real to me, damn it! The All-American Blue Chipper, Chase Emery. Buckshot, Brian Brock. NWA Tag Team Champions and NWA United States Tag Team Champions. The Heat Seekers. Born Scum, Chase Lovelace. Stan the Man Lee. From AEW Dark and Friday Night SmackDown, Marcus Cross. Outlaw, Randy Wayne. From AEW Dark, The Brolic, Tyson Maddox, The Gimmick Destroyer, Dave Stage, and many, many more stars. Be sure to follow them on social media via Facebook at Combat Pro Wrestling, Twitter at Real Combat Pro, and on Instagram at Combat underscore Pro underscore Wrestling. To find out more information on superstars that will be added and when the tickets will be on sale. I am so excited to be part of this show. I look forward to ring announcing and I also look forward to seeing all of you in Taylor, South Carolina. As we do a benefit show for the Eastside High School Weightlifting Department. So come on out for a great show and let's help the students of Eastside High make some motherfucking Games.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we have got a hell of a great show for you guys, because not only are we putting out an episode that's airing on Thanksgiving, which I don't think I've ever done before. This might be a Booch Cast first, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you'll have to go back and check the archives to see if um, maybe I'm, I'm missing something, but I think this is the first time ever an episode has aired on Thanksgiving Day, and with, with, th- with football being one of the Thanksgiving traditions, I couldn't think of anybody else to have this historic moment with. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Boochcast. He is the NFL exporter, great friend of mine. Always a pleasure to have him on. The one, the only, Mr. Lance Goodman. Lance, welcome to the show. Vinny, thank you so much for having me. Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to all of our listeners. It is definitely time to get busy with some turkey, some stuffing, some greens, some sweet potato pie. I'm ready. Absolutely, me too. Uh, so uh, other than that, you got any other plans for Thanksgiving? No, I'm just taking it light. Um, that's it, man. Just, just the time to kind of relax with family and friends, enjoy a few days off from work. And like I said, man, it's uh, time to start getting some 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 wholesome meals from the uh, the aunts and the grandmothers and that type thing. And so, no, it's all about uh, family and relaxing and really just uh, starting to wind down, you know, for all of us adults here, uh, despite the holiday season, next week, <laughs> still got to pay rent. <laughs> and Christmas is three weeks later. So we are continuing to move right along. Uh, absolutely. Uh, it makes you long for the days when you're like a kid enjoying the holidays because it's more fun when you're an adult it's true you're like well back to paying the rent we have one day of food exactly exactly Absolutely. And now, obviously, we're going to get into the highlights of um, this past this past week. But before we do, there's one question I didn't get to last week uh, that I wanted to talk about because it's something that I noticed. And I think uh, it was Derek who brought this up to me um, when we had the Falcons watch party. Um, I think it was the Seahawks and the Bucks, if I remember correctly. Uh, they were advertising the game. And then someone said, like, the game was played in Germany. And I was like, okay. My first question was why? Because I was kind of thrown off because, I mean, I've heard, like, you know, the NFL, like, had, like, some kind of Europe thing where they aired games in Europe, but I didn't know that like, they actually went overseas and played, so maybe, again maybe I'm like, maybe I'm out of the loop, because I tend to be out of loop on things, so I'm just curious do you know why the NFL decided to have games played in like, Germany and Spain and stuff like that, and how does that help, I don't know how that helps the NFL at all, because it's always weird to like, it's like neither team has a home field, and uh, I don't know, it's like, does it make sense to cross over, are they going to do a Super Bowl out there uh, do you know, why they start playing overseas all of a sudden yeah, so this is just all about expanding growing the NFL's brand, the NFL's uh, customer base, uh, in, 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 in an essence, uh, continuing to grow their revenue. Obviously, with football, NFL football being here in the United States, where all the 32 teams are, uh, that is where the sport is most prevalent. That is where the sport is uh, the favorite amongst American people. Uh, but when you look at the NFL's expansion and growth, women, children, and people in other countries are their next uh, areas of growth. So not only do you see uh, games going on yearly in London. Now they've expanded to Germany. And last night's Monday night football game between the San Francisco 49ers and Arizona Cardinals was played in Mexico. And obviously from a demographic standpoint, that is a great move because both the 49ers and Cardinals, both those teams in California and Arizona, very close to Mexico City. So it's just all about growth and expansion, uh, Vinny, like any other business. Uh, Once you have a stronghold on one particular sector or target 
target market, uh, the way that you look to expand your business is going to be through other people. So again, the NFL's main targets are women. You are seeing more and more women being involved uh, in front of the cameras, hosting shows, um, you know, doing podcasts. Women now more football fans than ever before. Women starting to play fantasy football. Uh, children, obviously, you know, the kids playing Little League football. I actually was an announcer and sponsor uh, for a Little League football uh, team this year. And it was just real funny seeing uh, all these kids between the ages of six and 12. But when they score a touchdown, uh, they're imitating what they see on TV. They're <laughs> doing the gritty. They're jumping up, high-fiving in the air. And then overseas, uh, obviously, again, you know, uh, when you have a product like the NFL, uh, where you have an endless stream of money to where you can market and pretty much put on events wherever you choose to, that is exactly what the NFL is doing. Awesome. And uh, so how's the uh, Little League team doing this year? Uh, you know what? Their season is over. Uh, they did very well. Uh, one of the four pounds or age groups made the playoffs. Unfortunately, couldn't win the championship. Uh, but this is great. This is great uh, for the kids and the community to have something positive to do, uh, get out there, use their energy. And there was a lot of good talent out there. A lot of guys that I'm keeping tabs on now that I feel like, you know, we should not be surprised one day to possibly see them playing some D1 football. And who knows, maybe the NFL, you know, down here in Atlanta, in the state of Georgia, it is a huge uh, hotbed for football when you have the SEC and ACC, uh, four Division One schools right here in the city. And so, yeah, it's a great thing. It's always a uh, great when the community come together and uh, support the youth in a real uh, positive, conducive environment. Absolutely. And and I'm assuming because, um, you know, with, with the, when the kids, like, you know, when they score touchdowns and stuff, they're celebrating the way the NFL players do. I assume the refs and everybody are cool with it. Like, they don't do any, like, unsportsmanlike conduct things. I know some places, uh, I know, like, in high school, sometimes they do that. Like, they just they just let them celebrate and let them be kids? Yeah, for the most part. The main yeah. thing is just uh, making sure there's no unsportsmanlike conduct. So anything yeah. that's along the lines of taunting or teasing or, you know, uh, rubbing it in somebody's face directly, we certainly don't want that. We always yeah. want a good gamesmanship. But no, as long as the kids are, are having fun, that's that's what it's all about. Absolutely. So uh, so what would you say were uh, the big highlights of uh, this past week in the NFL? Yeah, real interesting week when you look, starting with Thursday night football. You know, the Green Bay Packers, uh, a team that had a feel-good victory uh, the week before against the Dallas Cowboys, came up short. Uh, it was very interesting, and I think it's impressive for the Tennessee Titans, the way they were able to go out to Green Bay on a short week um, and just manhandle Green Bay. Uh, that's something that really stood out to me. When I think about the Tennessee Titans right now, firm grip on the AFC South, unless any dramatic injuries take place, um, they're, they're going to win that division again. They're a team that, again, you know that there is a certain uh, limit to their potential because they really don't have the we the high-end weapons on the outside in the passing game. But outside of that, if you look at what Mike Vrabel has done since he's come to Tennessee maybe five, six you know, years ago, uh, he really established uh, this team's identity. And it's a team that's defense uh, is very good. He always has a top 10 defense. Uh, they don't give up a ton of big plays. They know how to keep things in front of them. As far as offense, we know that all-world running back Derrick Henry uh, the ball goes through his, his hands. And so it's just impressive to me uh, how physical uh, Tennessee was able to come out. They had an excellent game plan. Their offensive coordinator did an excellent job of mixing up plays. And it was pretty surgical. I mean, you rarely see uh, a, a team go on the road on three days rest and really just 
come out and, and punch the other team in the mouth. And it was something that Green Bay simply could not recover from. Uh, if you look at the time of possession in the second quarter of that game, uh, Green Bay had the ball for three minutes. So this was an excellent job by Tennessee, uh, really putting a stronghold on their division, the AFC South. Um, I, you know, I don't want to say they put teams on notice in the AFC. I think the upper echelon teams we'll touch on in a minute are very aware of Tennessee. You just know in the past, if you're able to slow down Derrick Henry, uh, they generally don't have the wide receivers in the passing game to, to kind of sustain in the long run. But Tennessee for sure is a team that if you make any mistakes, if you don't bring your A game, they can definitely catch you slipping. As for Green Bay, they put themselves in a big time uh, hole now, uh, sitting there at four and seven. I mean, they pretty much have to win out in order to make the playoffs. So I think that's just a story that's going to continue to unfold throughout the course of the season, Benny how especially if Green Bay does not make the playoffs if they end up without even a record at 500 that is going to be a huge huge uh ordeal did you get a chance to check any of that Thursday night game out between Tennessee and Green Bay um yeah I caught a little bit I caught a little bit of it um I I, I did see the other games during that week that one was hard that one I didn't really catch a whole lot like I saw like I definitely saw the Bengals and the Steelers that one uh stood out to me I remember um I saw um like I think I I hope pronounces I hope pronounce his name right I think it's Perrine, Perrine, like it's spelled. Yes. P- it's one of those. Um, I saw him like flying down the field for the touchdown. It was like, I, the best way I can describe it and uh, Super Mario, if anybody's ever played Super Mario Brothers 3, you know what I'm talking about. He got some type of Mario P-Wing or something because he flew down the field. Like I, like he was literally like running for his life to score the first touchdown of the game. I thought that was great. Um, I saw Harris leap for his touchdown. I thought that was amazing. Um, that, the, the, the highlights for me was like um, the catch from Hinton in the Broncos game, breaking the tackle, almost scoring. Uh, Jewel with the sack, I thought was great. Um, uh, Paul and Elliott for the Cowboys, I felt played wonderfully, breaking tackles with ease. Like overall, I felt the Vikings were embarrassed in that game. Like I was watching some of the highlights, and I'm like, that is insane. And I saw the Colts swat the ball out of Hurts' hand for an easy turnover. I saw two fumbles in the game, one favor the Eagles, one favor the Colts. Like the Eagles win, but like barely. I thought that was crazy. The Bills practically dominated. Um, uh, Dalton to Olaf for the 52 yard touchdown in the Saints game. Um, Chicago and Atlanta basically had a battle, and I thought the Commanders, um, holy crap, they played very well. And um, aside from uh, Jamal Williams for the Lions being a touchdown machine, that was mostly what stood out to me. Yeah, and, and I'll hop right in on all of those games, starting with, you know, that was, uh, I, you know, I don't want to say it was surprising, the outcome. I think Detroit, when we're talking about now Detroit, and from a record standpoint, and what we've seen this season, I think that you could, to a certain degree, consider Detroit beating the Giants in New York in upset. I think for those of us, though, who are fully, fully in tune uh, with football understand that Detroit is probably a better team than what their record shows for uh, right now at four and six. They've had to go through a lot of injuries. They're a team that has had some heartbreaking losses uh, take place in the final minutes of the game, but they're on a three-game win streak right now, and they're a team that's playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, When you look at the New York Giants, I think that for the first time this year, teams were able to do what you would think teams would want to do for you to have a best shot to beat New York. And this has really been since Saquon Barkley, their star running back is coming to lead. And that is simply take Saquon Barkley away. And even if you have to sell out to do that, uh, you make sure that he's not the reason that you're losing the ball game. And that's exactly what Detroit was able to do. They held Saquon Barkley just to 22 rushing yards on 15 carries. I mean, they made sure that even if they had to put the whole team on defense up there, they were not going to allow for Saquon Barkley to get things done on the ground. And that really energized is their team when he has big plays. Uh, it's also a way that the Giants can play ball control football. And for the first time this year, that was taken away. And we kind of seen uh, De- 
Daniel Jones, and I want to preface this with Daniel Jones. I, I think he's a probably middle-of-the-pack quarterback, but I will say to his defense, he does not have any type of high-end weapons at wide receiver. There is no Tyreek Hill. There is no Devonta Adams. There is no Jamar Chase. You know, there's, there's not a big-time number one wide receiver for him to pass the football to. So there is certainly a deficiency in something I'm pretty sure the Giants are going to look to address in the draft. But when the game was put in Daniel Jones' hands, when Detroit got behind, I think also this is probably the worst we've seen the Giants' defense play uh, this year. And the game just simply got away from the Giants. And once Detroit got out to a double-digit lead, uh, the Giants had to come away from their identity and their game plan. And they passed the football way more than they expected. Uh, Daniel Jones has some costly interceptions. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see how New York bounces back this year. This is a team uh, that was, for the first time this year, is really going to be faced with some true adversity after a game where, again, the mistakes that they have been avoiding all season long, uh, which has allowed them to get those seven victories, uh, they made those mistakes. And again, those were turnovers, uh, bad defense, and Saquon Barkley not being able to rush the football. So I think it's going to be interesting to see this week, Vinny, how the Giants bounce back from really the first time this season, uh, having a team just really take it to them. For Detroit, I think they're a streaking team right now. I don't know if the playoffs are in the picture, but they're certainly a team that is not afraid of anyone. And uh, again, playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, you talked about Pittsburgh and Cincinnati really was kind of surprised. Uh, the final score there, 37 to 30. Those games tend to be a little bit low scoring of a defensive struggle. But I will say over the last couple of years, it just seems like Joe Burrow has figured that Pittsburgh defense out. And it's a Pittsburgh defense. This certainly is not the one, Vinny, that we and you have become grown accustomed to seeing. I'm pretty sure NFL fans as well. When you thought about the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, uh, of 10 years ago, maybe further, you knew this was a team whose defense beyond anything uh, did not give up a bunch of points. And Joe Burrow, 355 yards. You talked about it. Three of his four touchdown passes were to, uh, again, his name is a little difficult to pronounce. I may even say it wrong. Uh, Sam J, I believe P. Ryan is the way that it is pronounced. But he caught three of those touchdowns and just ended up being a shootout. And uh, Joe Burrow just ended up being a better quarterback than rookie Kenny Pickett. Cincinnati a couple more plays better. So I think Cincinnati is another team at six and four. Just kind of peeking behind the weeds. They're in the playoff hunt. They're a chip down right now without their all pro caliber wide receiver, Jamar Chase, who is expected to be back in the next month. But I think Cincinnati is the real story in this one because they're the team that made the Super Bowl last year. They're the team right now at six and four. And they're the team who, again, uh, offensively uh, has a lot of firepower and could pose some issues to some other teams uh, in the AFC. When we looked at some other games that were pretty interesting to me, uh, the Atlanta Falcons here where we are, the Dirty Birds, uh, always make sure you get uh, your money's worth when you go to a Falcons game. And another thriller, able to pull it out 27 to 24. Um, just a good victory for Atlanta. I would just say they're a team that doesn't blow you away, um, especially with what they do on the offensive side of the football. But from what I've seen, Vinny, especially when they play at home, uh, they, they figure out ways to win games. And it's something, I think, based on their personnel, uh, their quarterback situation, where they were a year ago. If you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, you can't help but to say at this point in the season that you uh, your team is better than it was last year. And your team is better than probably what you expected. Because mathematically, right now, Atlanta's still very much alive in the playoff hunt for the Bears. A second straight loss. I think their season at this point is over. The big story coming out of this one. We'll be watching out for the health of young quarterback Justin Fields, who's been absolutely amazing the last month of the season. But the Chicago Bears suffered a shoulder injury to his non-throwing arm. And so uh, we'll kind of be getting the status on him at some point today. You talked about Buffalo and Cleveland. Obviously, the uh, big news out of that game was just the weather. You know, I'm originally 
originally from Buffalo, New York, and uh, I know all about the snow. Uh, and I actually got snowed in my house uh, one winter. That was actually my last winter in upstate New York. After that, I said, I I'm out of here. I mean, literally, <laughs> but I went to uh, open the door of my to my house. I was avalanche in my house. My neighbors had to come and shovel me out of my own house. And when I finally was able to get to the end of the driveway, I we were literally walking on top of cars. And that is exactly what you've seen in Buffalo, where the Bills play out in Orchard Park. They got 77 inches of snow. They almost got seven in feet of snow. And so that game had to be moved to Detroit. Uh, Buffalo did not practice all week long due to the weather. I think that was probably the most interesting story coming out of the NFL is how the Buffalo Bills fans from around the city volunteered to go to the Buffalo Bills players' homes and, again, shovel these guys. I mean, hey, just because they are play for the Buffalo Bills, it does not absolve them from the weather. So like myself, there were a lot of Buffalo Bills fans that went around to players' houses and literally had to shovel these guys out of their houses just so they can have a way to get to the airport. And so uh, nonetheless, Buffalo came out sluggish, uh, but in the second half found their bearings and were able to beat uh, Cleveland. The score 31-23 is no way reflective of really how that game went. Buffalo had that game won by a couple touchdowns and uh, Cleveland was able to put up some points late. Uh, side note there, to end up covering a point spread, getting eight and a half. Uh, another interesting game, Philadelphia at uh, Indianapolis. Colts had that lead for the majority of the game. Philadelphia going ahead in the uh, final minutes of that game. Quarterback Jalen Hurts scoring a touchdown. I think for both teams, you like the outcome. I think if you're Philadelphia, you understand that you're not going to blow every team away. And just the fact that you could come back and get a tough road victory uh, after suffering your first loss of the season was key for them. I think a uh, the Philadelphia getting in some tight games is going to come in handy for them down the stretch because they kind of got so accustomed to beating teams by a couple touchdowns. You know, as the competition gets thicker, you know, when you get in the playoffs, that's not going to be the situation. So for Philadelphia, every win counts. Uh, just the fact sometimes, that especially when you play on the road, you figure out a way to win. I think that bodes well for Philadelphia. When I look at Indianapolis, I think the biggest thing for them is just a turnaround in effort. Again, I don't know if this is truly Jeff Saturday or the fact that when a team sees their head coach get fired, that also puts the players on notice that some other heads could get rolling. And so for Indianapolis, even though they didn't get the win, I think the way that they played has looked much better the last two weeks with Jeff Saturday as the team's new head coach, as opposed to how it did when Frank Reich was there. And sometimes when we talk about Vinny, it could just be a new face, a new voice. And again, uh, trust and believe the players, when you are a player and you see a head coach fired along with some of the other coordinators that already were fired in Indianapolis, you immediately go on alert and and really probably play with more of a sense of urgency because you understand once a coaching change takes place, that likely means that next year there are going to be some roster changes that may include you as well. Man, one that uh, probably had the best ending or one of the best endings this past week, Vinny, was New England playing the New York Jets. That was a three to three ball game with 25 seconds left, had been a defensive struggle, neither team able to get much going and the New England Patriots run back a punt return 84 yards with five seconds left on the clock to win that game 10 to 3 and it just was a gut punch I mean it just completely took the life out of the Jets who had fought tooth and nail with the Patriots all day a 3 to 3 ball game it was a slugfest and I just have your heart ripped out like that with on a punt return uh, which is going to fall under the umbrella of the special teams for the Jets it's just brutal and that stretched out New England's win streak over the Jets to 15 in a row. It's one of those things where it's psychological, where it's just like, damn, what do we have to do to finally 
beat this team. They always are a play better than us. And it's something that the Jets are going to have to wait until next year to do because this is the second time in three weeks that New England was able to knock off the Jets. The big news coming up out of there was after the game when quarterback, uh, goodness, Zach Wilson, the second year quarterback for the Jets, he was asked if he felt like the offense let the defense down and his answer was no. And that is something that sent shockwaves through the locker room right now. Um, the Jets uh, head coach, Robert Salah, does not know if he is going to start Zach Wilson moving forward. It was pathetic, Vinny. I've never seen anything like it. The Jets had 103 total yards of offense during this football game. That comes out to 25 and a half yards per quarter. They had two yards, Vinny, in the second half. In 30 minutes of football, the Jets offense had two yards. Two. One, two. In 30 minutes of football. And so when you come out and say that, you know, did you let your defense down and you say no, you got to be kidding me. Now, this is what's interesting to me. The position of quarterback in the NFL comes along with the responsibility of being the face of the franchise, being a team leader, being the main voice, being a leader. Well, I'm here to tell you that for a lot of these teams, New York is a prime example. When we're talking about Zach Wilson, you've heard these things about Baker Mayfield and some other quarterbacks in the NFL. Guess what? When a guy's coming in at 21, 22, 23, 24 years old, guess what? He's probably not mature enough yet to be a team leader. Everybody's not going to be a Patrick Mahomes from day one, who, by the way, I oftentimes remind people, you know what Patrick Mahomes had at his disposal? He did not go to a team like Jacksonville. He did not go a team to a team like the Bears. He did not go to a team like the Giants. He was able to go to a team in the Kansas City Chiefs who had already won AFC West titles before him getting there. There was a very good team that he was playing on, a playoff team, and for a year, he got to sit behind a savvy veteran like Alex Smith and learn. Watch Alex Smith's uh, film study habits, his practice habits. Patrick Mahone was able to do a lot of work on his own. Then he came in the next year and started. So for Zach Wilson, for Baker Mayfield, for Kyler Murray, for some of these quarterbacks coming in, you come into a rough situation where you've been pretty much winning Little League, high school, college. You may be coming off a Heisman Trophy like a like a Baker Mayfield, excuse me, like a Kyler Murray. Then all of a sudden you come to a room full of grown men where now you're not playing for fun in college. People are playing for their lives. And all of a sudden you're thrust at 21, 22 years old into a losing team. And you're expected to say the right thing, do the right thing, carry yourself the right way, do all these things. And I think if you just look at life, let's take away football, the average 23, 24 year old young person out here, no knock against them. It just comes with time and maturity, but they're not ready to, to be leaders of a family. They're not ready to be leaders or the face of an entire company because they're simply not mature yet you know so when I look at the situation with Zach Wilson yeah they they want him to be all these things but just because he is the team's quarterback does not automatically mean he's going to have those traits as well so I think that's going to be interesting to see how that's handled in New York because it is a something that comes with the uh, responsibility with being a franchise quarterback but a lot of these young guys simply aren't ready and the expectation uh, is really unfair to them a couple other interesting games went on Baltimore struggled with Carolina um I think what's just, what was just surprising, and really I would say not surprising, is that NFL teams used to come off of their bye weeks, the week where you get a week off to rest. They used to come off these bye weeks fresh, refocused, um, and sharp. And now when you see these teams come off these bye weeks, they're sluggish, they're slow, they're rusty, they're step behind. It's taking a while to, you know, to kind of get the wheels turning. And so, you know, I'm not shocked that Baltimore had those issues with Carolina. Carolina's defense, when they're playing their best, certainly can 
pose some problems to opposing offenses. As long as they're not turning the football over, we know there's not a lot to offer. As we can see, they only put up three points, but Baltimore only put up 13. So I think uh, Baltimore is the team that a lot of people, myself included, behind Buffalo, behind Kansas City, uh, everybody's kind of looking for a team in the AFC to challenge Buffalo and Kansas City. And we kind of get those same recurring teams of Cincinnati, of Baltimore, um, you know, coming up. And uh, the big question for everybody is just going to continue to be if it comes down to it, can this Ravens offense and particularly the passing game, is it going to be able to get it done? But they have a great defense over there. Uh, another team that's very shocking and streaky right now, Vinny, is the Washington Commanders. They are currently 4-1 and one ever since they uh, kind of by default, their starting quarterback Carson Wentz got hurt, had to get surgery on his finger. Taylor Heineke has stepped up, helped the Washington uh, Commanders win four of their last five games, very convincing fashion, 23-10 to 10 over the hapless Houston uh, Texans. So Washington's a team right now playing with a lot of confidence in the NFC. They're probably not going to be uh, any pushover for anybody. Uh, we've seen the Denver Broncos season pretty much come to an end, uh, just not able to get it done, losing at home in overtime to the Las Vegas Raiders. Devonta Adams, absolutely dominant, nine catches, 141 yards, two touchdown receptions, including the walk-off game winner in overtime. Uh, both of those teams won't make the playoffs, but for Denver, it was really an opportunity to get a feel-good victory at home. You know, there's only so many winnable games on your schedule for Denver, and that was one of them, and the seed let them that one slip away. Uh, that was very shocking. Uh, the entertaining game on Sunday night football, as always, Kansas City at Los Angeles, and plain and simple, Patrick Mahomes, we talked about it last week. This guy is just one of the most gifted quarterbacks ever stepped foot on the football field. He's just a winner, and I think both me and you, Vinny, can appreciate that, how we talked about it. It's not always pretty. Things are not always set up perfectly for you to succeed. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be adjustments. There's going to be changes, but as long as you get the job done, and I can just appreciate that about quarterback Patrick Mahomes. When the Chargers went up in that game 27-23 and 23, with about a minute 50 seconds left, you knew that Patrick Mahomes and that offense had a good opportunity to go downfield and score and win that game, and that's exactly what they did. I mean, this guy just knows how to get the job done, and uh, watching Patrick Mahomes is a real joy. Three touchdown passes to Travis Kelsey. It's just amazing to me, Vinny, how teams know Travis Kelsey is the bread and butter of that Kansas City Chiefs offense, and very few teams are able to slow him down. Again, when he scored that touchdown to win the game, he had already two. That was his third one of the day. So you would figure the Chargers would have figured something else out to make sure it wasn't Kelsey, but they were not able to stop him. San Francisco, again, last night in Mexico City, very impressive, dismantling the Arizona Cardinals, who played their second straight game without their starting quarterback, Kyler Murray, who has a hamstring injury. 49ers peaking right now, uh, fully healthy. They're a team, I can tell you for sure, Vinny. All the talk right now is about Philadelphia, about Dallas. Uh, we're going to talk about both of those teams in a second. Uh, uh, Minnesota as well. But I can tell you this much right now. The San Francisco 49ers, if they can remain healthy and continue to improve week by week, they're going to be a team in the NFC that has a chance, just like Philadelphia, just like Dallas, or any other team you think in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers are going to be a major, major problem. And then our game of the week, which ended up not being a game of the week, we've seen the Dallas Cowboys just, just, I mean, the way that they went into Minnesota and just completely dominated that football game, it was very impressive. And Minnesota, which we've seen in the past, we've talked about uh, not fully trusting Kirk Cousins. Uh, we've talked about uh, this Minnesota team, you know, maybe not being as good as it record showed. And that's what happened. I mean, Dallas just came in. I think a team that was, that happens a lot in sports, where one team the week before lost and had some flaws 
flaws that they are in the week in practice. They went out, they addressed, they come in razor sharp focus. And I think that's just what happened. If you recall, Dallas was up 28 to 14 the week before at Green Bay and they squandered that game away. And you heard from their leadership, uh, guys like linebacker Micah Parsons, who again, came into this game, three sacks. You heard Dallas being very vocal about the mistakes they made and it didn't sit well in that locker room. So I think they were a team that came out to Minnesota on a mission in Minnesota from the jump, just never able to match their intensity. Uh, I have issues with Minnesota's play calling. You've heard me on Twitter and Facebook going off about that. But Dallas just, just is just a better football team. Um, I think this was the worst of Minnesota, the best of Dallas. And that is the discrepancy in the 40 to three score that we've seen. And so very interesting week around the NFL, Vinny. I think things are certainly starting to shape up. Uh, we had a couple teams on by uh, Miami, Seattle, Tampa Bay, all three of those teams definitely in the playoff hunt. So as we get down a stretch run here, Vinny, already we're about to enter week 12. We got six weeks left of football. Uh, man, things are really starting to shape up and this is going to be a very, very exciting playoffs and end of the season. I would say come kind of from this point moving forward now, uh, especially for teams who mathematically are still alive, every single game counts and it should make things really fun because now there's a sense of urgency. Teams know that they must win and we should from this point forward start seeing uh, the best brand of football we've seen so far this year. Ben. Absolutely. And, and and based on like I was saying before about the, the quarterbacks and the leadership, I think the fact that Dallas did what very few teams do, like you said before, they were able to admit the mistakes they made before and then they came in and just crushed it against the Vikings. I think that right there should symbolize to, you know, the quarterbacks that need that need the maturity and stuff that, you know, accepting the blame and acknowledging the mistakes. I think it's easier for them to move. I think I've learned that when you acknowledge the mistakes, it's easier to move past them and get to where you want to be because a lot of times, like you said before, like people like not taking responsibility, not, you know, trying to brush everything off like it's not a big deal. I think that's what's causing a lot of them to have not only the maturity problems, but some of the issues they're having on the field. I think it's just from that. They're trying to act like there isn't a problem when there clearly is. And also, you know, having to understand that, you know, like you said, not ready to be leaders and not understanding what that responsibility is. And it's kind of like, and it's going to sound weird because I, as people know here on the show, I give weird examples because it helps illustrate my point. It kind of reminds me of that scene in The Lion King when um when Mufasa says to Simba, there's more to being king than getting your way all the time. There's more to being a leader than just being like, hey, I'm in charge and everybody does what I say. You also have to be able to lead and you also have to be able to, you know, not only take, not only get the credit when there's a win, but also you get the credit when there's loss. Like when you score, when, when, when a team wins and you're the leader of the team, it's like, wow, he led them to victory. But when you lose, it's like, yeah, you didn't get your job. You didn't do your job. You get, you get the blame on both sides. And I think some people, sometimes they forget that. So I think if, I think once we start to see the, the leaders of these teams mature more, I think that's when they're going to do a much better job on the field. At least that's from what I'm seeing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you, you hit it on the head. And that's something I try to always make it a point to, to reinforce. And you, you, you said it perfectly for these NFL teams, you know, there's, there's, there's a roster of 53 guys. There's probably 35 of those 52 guys are on the football field. So when the teams win, like you said, by default, the quarterback gets the credit, right? You don't ever hear them saying uh, a running back or a lineman's record is whatever, whatever. They always say, oh, you know, Tom Brady in his career, you know, he's 400 wins. You know, a lot of players were part of those wins. So it's like when a, when the team wins, the quarterback gets the credit. But then when the team loses, then everybody is looking at all the other aspects of the team. And like you said, it, it, it that's something I try to make sure doesn't get lost. And no, uh, certainly the quarterback being the face of the franchise. And like I said, this all comes with perception and the way that people in the league and 
these owners want things to be, which is I want a quarterback who is the franchise face of my franchise. He's the guy, the vocal leader, the team leader, all these things. So, you know, by default, the quarterback is the one that the media wants to talk to the most. Uh, he's the guy who's expected to, you know, from a PR standpoint. That's why these teams have PR, uh, um, higher public relations to help these guys in terms of how they speak because they're in, the, in front of the camera the most. And so teams, when teams win, the quarterback gets the victory. But then when teams lose, it's everybody else's fault. And that certainly can't be the case. I think there needs to be a little bit more of level of accountability and credit given to the team that helps the quarterback win. And also think that quarterbacks certainly need to be a part of when the team loses. They should not be separate. And it just did not look good for Zach Wilson because this was an obvious case. You're in a three to three ball game. Your defense has done its job. It held the New England Patriots to three points, despite you only being able to come up with two yards in the second half of an NFL. This is the NFL. It's not Little League. Two yards. One, two. In 30 minutes of football, you know you should be saying, yes, I let my defense down. We let our defense down. Our offense could have and should have played way better. Our defense played lights out today and we just didn't give them what we need. And it's all about perception. And that's what they're trying to to, to let Miss Jack Wilson know is that, you know what, even if it wasn't your fault, even if things weren't that way, that is still the things you need to say as a team leader to keep your locker room on your side and things of that nature. So yeah, Benny, he uh, is definitely a, a young player that has a lot to learn. Uh, it's something that when that, that's part of the um, scouting process though, right? We don't only scout these players on, on the field performance. You do also scout these players and interview these players to get a feel for what they are like as people. And I think that's something that Zach Wilson, again, 22-year-old young guy, I'll give him, I'll, I'll let him know, hey, he doesn't have a lot to work with on offense. I certainly don't want to make it like he's got, you know, Tyreek Hill and Stefan Diggs, and he doesn't have anything at all to work with on offense. Uh, but, you know, you have to have enough awareness, and hopefully this could be a learning lesson for him. Like I said, I think people really need to understand and, and, and kind of look at things from a life perspective. You know, if you have a 20 21, 22-year-old adult, but one of your children at home, there's a slim chance that right this very moment, they're able to make all the right decisions, say all the right things, do all the right things, carry themselves the right way. I mean, it, it's just not realistic. Well, yeah. I Trust me. I, I know when I was 23, 24, I wasn't making always the right decisions, so I know exactly what that's like, and I'm not even a football player. I'm just, I, I was just a comic in his 20s, and I was, you know, not always making the right decisions, so I definitely, uh, definitely agree with that, and, um, and uh, as and as always, Lance, I always appreciate you uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, join us here on the show. So real quick before they wrap up, uh, where can people find you on social media? Absolutely. And thank you always for having me on. I'm happy that uh, we can be giving people out there the great information that they need. If you'd like to contact me directly, uh, please go to Facebook.com forward slash NFL Exporter. The name should be Lance Goodman. Uh, also on Twitter at NFL Exporter. Uh, Instagram is at UFCATL. That stands for Ultimate Football Club, ATL. And then the website, my official home, my official hub, where you can check my weekly fantasy football rankings. You can hear my Pure NFL podcast, where we talk strictly NFL football, how we do here uh, on the on the, uh, on the Vinny show. And that's www.nflexporter.com. Uh, if you go to that website as well, all of my social media handles are there with the respective Facebook, uh, Instagram, and 
and Twitter logos. And uh, I hope everybody has a great start to their holiday season. I know there's a at least a double header, maybe a triple header coming on uh, on Thanksgiving. So that's always a big part of tradition, sitting around, watching sports, eating food with the family. So I thank you a, a, a ton, Vinny, and uh, you enjoy your holiday and football weekend as well. And I look forward to uh, coming back and doing it again next week. Absolutely. You have a happy Thanksgiving, man. We'll talk next week. Okay, sure thing. Thank you so much. All right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this special Thanksgiving edition of the Boochcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Have yourselves a happy Thanksgiving. And make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash the Boochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Be on the lookout for our latest episode of the Male Soap Opera Moment, where we will be giving our predictions for WWE Survivor Series set to take place this Saturday. So you'll definitely want to check out this episode to see what predictions we made and who has a shot at winning the title. Coming soon to the Facebook page. Also, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell. Be notified when future content will be posted. We have a special Thanksgiving video that is currently on uh, the Facebook page, but also on our YouTube channel that you can check out. Also, you can follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we normally would do our live wrestling watch parties. But unfortunately, if you listen to the NXT recap that came out yesterday, you already know that the Survivor Series watch party, unfortunately, has been canceled. And the reason it's been canceled is because earlier this week, I received a phone call from uh, Buff Bagwell, who I used to manage. Um, He called me up. Uh, We hadn't spoken in a very long time. And he asked me to go with him this weekend to WrestleCade. And there's even talk of potentially Buff and I teaming up together again. Um, As of right now, nothing is set in stone in that regard. The only thing that is set in stone is that I will be with him at WrestleCade this weekend. Hopefully, this will lead to us uh, teaming back up and working together again. Uh, But for now, I can't 100% guarantee that because we have not had a chance to discuss this yet at the time that I'm recording this. And of course, we got our live uh, D&D show coming soon as well. Our Boochcast booking battle and another special treat that's in the works. And of course, you can also support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three different levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. Uh, We have our first level, which is 99 cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. Uh, We have our third level, which is $9.99, $10 per month. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We use it to upgrade our equipment. We use it to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and you believe they're going to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed uh, Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. Well, I see by the clock on a wall. 
that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again. <laughs>